everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution. I'm your host, Tiffany Owens-Reed, a contributor at Strong Towns. And this is the show where we talk to ordinary people who are working to make their cities more beautiful, safer, stronger, and more resilient in a bottom-up fashion. Um, this is a show that I'm hoping um, that you all f- find inspiration from. I know sometimes strong towns can can be a little bit intimidating, um, but we're hoping that on this show, you're able to be inspired by people who are taking strong towns principles and putting them to work um, every day in their town, uh, just taking small but meaningful actions. Today, I'm joined by Alicia Locke. She is a founding board member of a nonprofit called Norwood Together in Norwood, Ohio. We met at the uh, Strong Towns National Gathering in Charlotte earlier this year, really hit it off, had a lot of fun, and uh, we're really excited to bring this conversation to you. I'm just excited to hear everything that Alicia has learned as part of this uh, fantastic organization. Fun fact, uh, Norwood was a runner-up in a Strongest Town competition. I I think Alicia might tell us a little bit about that. And um, yeah, let's jump into our conversation. Alicia, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tiffany. I'm I'm excited to chat with you. I remember when we met and you taught me a bit about how Norwood Together was organized, how you all got started. Um, it just was a really inspiring model for taking action in a community. And for me personally, it was one of the first times I had heard of a model that seemed to to actually really work and helping helping community members articulate their um, struggles of their city, their dreams, their hopes, what they think it could be, and really put that into action. So I'm excited to hear more about that. But to kick things off, can you just tell me a little bit about how you came to call Norwood, Ohio home because you're not from there, but it's where you live and where you're raising your family? Yeah, it's about two and a half hours away from where I grew up. And we were really fortunate, my husband and I, when we bought our home that our realtor introduced us to Norwood. We both went to the University of Cincinnati, which is about like five minutes from Norwood, but we weren't very familiar with it. We didn't even know it was its own city, but we had been looking in nearby neighborhoods in Cincinnati. Uh, We knew that we wanted a fairly dense neighborhood with old homes and a lot of diversity, like all the diversity, socioeconomic, race, background. We really liked the idea of local schools and nearby parks. We also valued walkability and third spaces nearby. So after working us with a little bit and hearing what our uh, hopes and dreams were and our our values, our realtor suggested that we check out Norwood. And I believe she described it as an underappreciated but up-and-coming location. So uh, we went and checked it out. The first house we saw, we completely fell in love with it. It's on a Um, a quiet street and uh, right down the street from one of the elementary schools. So we pounced on it right away. And Norwood is really a cool place for me to end up because I grew up rural, but in a small town. Um, And then I went to the big city to go to school in in Cincinnati. And now I've ended up in a city within a city, which really does feel like a small town. People describe Norwood as a small town. And I used to laugh because I grew up in a rural town of 800 people in the middle of cornfields. I grew up in a small town, but Norwood really is a small town within a big city. And it is so cool. So I love the kind of the list of words you were using when you were describing what you all were looking for in a community. Um, It sounds like you, you have some understanding of these kinds of things that we recognize as, as ingredients for a good a good neighborhood, a good community, things like density, old homes, walkability, et cetera. Can you just tell us how did you become like city aware, not just knowing what those words mean and why they matter, but also seeing your neighborhood and your community as something to contribute to, to participate in? It was really fun to be introduced to Strong Towns because it really 
um, put words to the values that we already had. You know, some people might be introduced to small towns and have their eyes open, but Strong Towns was really like, oh yeah, I mean, this is this is what we value. This is what we live. This is why we choose neighborhoods. So that was a really neat experience. Um, so growing up, I've always valued community. Like I said, I grew up rural. So for a lot of my life, uh, community mostly meant our church and also our small town um, and nearby areas. But then moving to college in Cincinnati, I started to get starry-eyed about cities, especially an old eclectic city like Cincinnati, very partial to Cincy. Um, I spent my first two years of school studying architecture, and there I met a lot of peers enthusiastic about urban living and by the nature of the field, the built environment. So we did things like check out local community council meetings, form opinions on developers, and discuss gentrification as we built our imaginary buildings in rundown neighborhoods like over the Rhine, which is amazing to see what that has become. That's where the seed of city living as a social justice issue really took root in me. So the seed was planted that would grow into what I value now. I value where my tax dollars go and how that can help those people making less have a more vibrant community and also valuing where my kids go to school for the impact that they can have on their classmates that even might help them break the cycle of poverty that they might be in. So all that was really important to me. And like I said, just kept growing as I learned more and more about this stuff. Can you tell me a little bit about Norwood? I mean, it sounds magical. <laughs> um, it is. <laughs> um, by the way, I just have to ask, have you heard of, isn't there a band called Over the Rhine? Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, great. and I believe it was based in Cincinnati. Yeah, they're it's fantastic. I love if them. If you haven't heard yeah. of it, you should check it out. Um, they're really beautiful music. Um, yeah, so tell me, tell our audience about Norwood, Ohio. What do you love about it? What are some of its challenges? Um, what makes it unique? So Norwood is an old city, pre-World Wars and the cars. I think it's what you'd call a first-ring suburb. It has the bones of walkability with cornerstones and a diverse housing stock. So we've got that missing middle. You've probably heard if you've been listening to Strong Towns. We've got the duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes. And then we also have single families that vary vastly in size. We've got the gorgeous Victorians that are massive, gorgeous Victorians that are large, and gorgeous Victorians that are smaller, and then small houses. So we have a lot of housing stock here. And because of the history of being a wealthy suburb, um, but then also mixed in with factories. We have a lot of diversity in people's history and current professions and types of life. We have a university that's half inside Norwood, Xavier University. So that's a lot of students, professors, staff. And we're also home to uh, things like the UDF headquarters and a lot of medical campuses. So for the with the factories that we had, that presented um, a huge opportunity for us, but then it also ended up being a threat. Um, it became more car-centric, especially we were the home of General Motors, so cars were kind of a big deal. Um, so it became more car-centric and started putting all of its eggs in the basket of manufacturing. So then when those companies left, it really put strain on the community that had come to rely on the money from that. It was particularly devastating when GM, General Motors, left in uh, the late 80s. Um, that took with them 5,000 jobs. So those workers were left without income. And um, of course, the city lost the revenue stream from General Motors. So I think the community was really scarred by that and uh, by other changes that were happening in Cincinnati around it, because you know, since they're two different cities, they're kind of they're they're growing differently. And uh, the city fell into fiscal emergency. And I think it became a little less trusting and a little, maybe even a little less welcoming, not that it meant to be, but 
um, it just became a little more insular. And also, unfortunately, it kind of went down in the reputation um, and cities around and even the perception of itself inwardly. But Norwood is resilient, which is one of the reasons I absolutely love it and would still argue that it is the strongest town. We will win it one day. <laughs> it's a little gritty. It's full of heart. It's full of amazing people who help their neighbors. And um, that help your neighbors point is, I think, a big point of recovery. Um, we experienced a pretty catastrophic flood in 2016, and it hit all parts of the of the city. So I should back up. We're a city of 3.1 square miles and about 20,000 people. So it's a very small geographic location and pretty dense. Um, so in that area, we were all hit with a pretty bad flood and a lot of people that hadn't experienced that before. So we needed to ask each other for help. We needed to ask each other for um, what to do. And that's I think when Nord really got the social media presence started, we had the hashtag Norwood Strong, we had a group, and that's when we got to know each other a lot more. And it's interesting to talk to a couple of different things that started around that, that have started and now we're very proud of. And a lot of it started in 2016, like the conversation started. And one of the things that came out of that were um, uh, Norwood Together. So the seeds of civic engagement gave birth to what is now Norwood Together. That's what I was reading. So North Together got started in 2017, um, if I'm correct. And um, one of the, the first things you all did was to conduct a huge quality of life SWAT survey. And so if you don't know, SWAT stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. Um, I just think this is such a interesting and humble way to go about um I guess, starting anything for your community because it really puts you in the position of listening from your community instead of thinking like, I know what the problems are. I know what the solutions are. I know exactly what we should do. When I heard you explain that, it just really, a light bulb, a light bulb sort of went off in my head. And I was like, wow, this is such a wonderful starting point. It sort of takes the pressure off, right? Of thinking like, I should know everything there is to know about my city where it is now and and what it needs to do to become better. Um, so I would just really love to know what stood out to you from the, can you, can you talk us a little bit through that SWOT analysis and what stood out to you from the responses you all received? Yes, I have a, I have a friend and mentor. Something that you said made me think of, um, she often tells me as I'm coming up with these grand ideas of programs we need to do or whatever, she's like, okay, but you have to make sure you're not finding a problem or a solution to a problem that doesn't actually exist or wasn't acknowledged. So um, this was in an effort to not do that. So like you said, it started in 2017, but it started with conversations that were happening with people and um one of the women who started it, Mary C. Miller, she uh, found out that one of the ways to go about it is this quality of life. So they did hundreds of surveys of, um, I'm sorry, over a hundred surveys of residents. And they tried to get residents from all the areas and how long you've lived here, you know, a big, a big range. And, uh, ask questions about what we, how we were feeling about our city and in that specific, what are strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So probably three of the takeaways um, that when we reported back, we had, we had, I think it was nine takeaways, nine buckets. Um, I'll tell you three of those. So it really came out that we have great bones to our city, but also serious infrastructure shortcomings like our roads and parks that needed attention. We also have a great housing stock and nearby 
business districts, but a lot of those homes are in disrepair. And sometimes that's due to absentee landlords and rentals. And also uh, many of the storefronts that we have were vacant and in disrepair. We also, like I mentioned earlier, have that perception issue, not only what the surrounding areas think and say about us, but also people within the city uh, who had been hurt by that devastation and weren't sure that we could ever have anything amazing again. I taught in the schools and sometimes the students weren't really proud of where they had grown up. They didn't think that much could come out of Norwood. And that just like broke my heart to see because it really doesn't, uh, it's not indicative of what is actually here and the potential of what can be here. So the perception was another big issue that we noticed. So you were one of the residents surveyed. I believe you and your husband were both surveyed as part of this initiative, and then you became um, one of the founding board members. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became personally involved with Norbert Together and um, what resonated with you about this effort? Yes, I was surveyed. Um, I was pregnant with my second at the time, uh, and I was like, I don't know how much I can really be involved in this, but it was just too great to pass up. So I was surveyed, as was my husband, and then I was asked to present um, one of the findings. My area was perception, and I went on to lead a couple of the committees. I was on the founding committee and became a board member. It The grassroots nature of this organization has resonated with me so much. I absolutely love it. So when I heard the Strong Towns term bottom-up revolution, I think I actually exclaimed out loud as I was reading, yes, this is what we do. Uh, We're what my friends call, or my friend calls, um, everyday experts. So most of us aren't really credentialed, um, but we're doing amazing things for the community that we love and call home. Love it so much. So let's uh, finish telling the story then. So you all do this quality of life analysis. You have this SWOT study. What happens next? So what did you all do with um, all, with what you discovered in those in those first two steps of this process? And then and what what came next? What kind of results came next? Yes. Yeah, so the uh, the process was survey, report back on those four um, areas, and then directly after we reported back what we found. Everybody who is in attendance, the whole community had been invited. Definitely the uh, organizations and elected officials had all been invited. We all went down to the school cafeteria and started getting to work right away. So the seven or nine buckets that we found each had their own table. And anybody in attendance was encouraged to go to the table that interests them the most. And we started hashing out what we'd like to see. It was really that bottom up. There was that that was what it was. And so we all sat at tables. Um, so I'm going to tell you about uh, three of the needs that we saw and also kind of how we have um, met those needs or like addressed those issues. So we knew that we needed to engage the community. Community engagement was a bucket. Many of the residents, um, especially the new ones, were completely unaware of the really fun traditions that the Norwood community has. New residents weren't necessarily feeling welcomed or connected. And so then they didn't you know, know if they wanted to stay or send their kids to school and do that sort of thing. So we now have welcome bags that we try to get out to new neighbors that have important information, calendar, links to calendar. And um, one of our volunteers, she has amazing dedication. She compiles everything that is happening in the city on a list that she distributes on her Norwood Together website, on all the community Facebook groups, and also hard copies at key locations and various events. That is no small task. The churches, the organizations, the library, she compiles it all together so that we can know what's happening, which is just so equitable and amazing. We also needed to work on our perception. 
And uh, for that, some of the things that we did, starting as simple as street and park cleanups, that will really bring you together, picking up trash with neighbors and then seeing the beauty of it afterwards. We also did much bigger things, like we revived the historic home tours that hadn't taken place in decades to show off those gorgeous homes and to share our history. We just had our fifth, and every year it is different, and every year it is amazing. Um, we also have a board member who has connected us with Welcoming America to uh, help our perception with immigrants as being a welcoming uh, city. So that's happened a lot through shared meals, and now we have an international art show and that's on its second year. And then also one of my favorites is our Gems of the Community Award celebration that allows any resident to honor any other resident for their hard work in their community. It's been amazing and uplifting to see uh, who has had the spotlight shown on them, people who are often underappreciated and work so hard to make our community wonderful. And the last uh, thing I'll, t I'll take away is there seem to be a distrust or maybe just a lack of transparency in our elected leaders. So we've worked very hard to open up lines of dialogue and to educate our residents how to connect with the leaders. And we've also introduced them to the leaders and the people running as elected officials. So that's been a really um, important aspect. And I think we'll talk a little bit later about community get togethers, but that's happened through those. Yeah, thanks for thanks for walking us through that. It's just so neat to to think about um, what it must have looked like and felt like to be in that school cafeteria watching people flock to whatever table interested them and actually see ordinary people come together to brainstorm solutions to these challenges. It sounds like something out of a movie. <laughs> if it, I mean, it really the soundtrack. Yeah, it sounds like a movie. I'm like, wait, where's this magical land where people come together and come up with solutions to problems? But um, it it, it sounds like y'all really have found a way to empower ordinary citizens to take ownership of the stewardship of their community while also connecting them to elected officials and city staffers and, and just really building like a partnership and a, a, a space for collaboration there. I think one of the hurdles to putting Shangtown's principles in action is like you said, feeling like you're not an expert, feeling like you mm -hmm. don't know enough or you don't have the resources to really affect change. But I think the story of Norwood together is that we can all be everyday experts and that the mechanisms of change are right in front of us. <laughs> yes, yes, well said. So I saw on your website that Norwood together has various like community building initiatives. Unfortunately, we don't have time to talk about all of them, but I was hoping you could tell me about two more closely. So to start off, can you tell me about the community get togethers? I am so glad you asked. This is one of my passion projects. Um, I love them. They're about connecting residents. This is about connecting residents to each other, to the organizations that run our city, including like schools, and also to our elected officials. So the nights, they started out as community councils. Uh, did you know anybody can just decide to start a community council? It's fantastic. And that's what we did. Somebody who was running for, well, and it happened in a different part. So the one that I started uh, was with an elect, was with an official running for a city council and a friend. And we just got together and we started this. And then it connected with Norwood together and um, the community council that they were doing in their ward. And um, now we wanted to take council out of it so that it felt more uh, welcoming. 
These aren't official. These are about connections. And so they start with a social hour, social half hour, and we have snacks and the children are running around and being great. And then the kids often go off to childcare and we have a featured speaker. Sometimes it's the mayor giving the state of the city or each of the uh, school principals and the superintendent telling us about the amazing things happening in their schools and how you can be involved even if you don't have children in attendance there. Uh, we've had the library speak. Our, we've had public works appreciation nights. Um, it's really just a way to dig deeper into who we are as a city and also give you an opportunity to meet a new neighbor. So we always invite all of our city council people and usually have a really good turnout of the mayor and the city council officials. And we try to point them out and have breakout sessions to talk about things that really matter to everybody. It's a really, really great, valuable time that we do. Right now we do them quarterly. Okay, that's awesome. So it's really just a chance to sort of build bridges between citizens and elected officials, it sounds like. and Yeah, and it's not, yeah, not just elected, but, you know, we've had our police to talk about some of the crimes that we have, you know, just things, different things that are happening. So yeah, it's really been amazing. But the elected officials is a very important aspect. Okay, so that that's a great uh, description of the community get-togethers. Again, it just seems to me just like such a easy step almost like shockingly easy. Like my brain can't really fathom how easy this is. It's like, you know, I don't know if you I know. If, if, if I honestly know. have to, I have to tell you a little bit. One of the things I'm most proud about is um, how these get togethers during election season showcase who's running and it gives you a chance to talk to them and hear from them and see them face to face. Somebody asked me if I was voting for somebody and I was just like, I don't even know what they look like. And that to me is just like amazing because I expect to know who I'm voting for. I expect to know. And um, then we had the night and almost all of the elected officials came and it was really amazing to see how what the camaraderie was even through different parties. Like they were neighbors talking to each other and we were able to talk to them about what we value. And it's just amazing when you invite them and you get to talk to them and hear about it. It's, it's just really powerful. The second program I'd love for you to tell us about is the Block Captain Program. How does that work? This is a good example of somebody having an idea because she experienced it in another neighborhood where she lived and trying to make it happen. And this is also a good example of how it maybe doesn't take off exactly the way you want it to immediately. So we had our first block captain uh, orientation and we had a whole bunch of people come, but it was really hard to figure out exactly what we wanted that to look like. So we still have those people's names on files and we have uh, a vision for what this could look like. But at the moment, it is mostly a grant program for block parties that includes a little bit of money and also the guidance, which honestly, I think is an even bigger piece about what a block party um, entails, like how to close your street, which fortunately, I was hearing um, somewhere else that you have to you know, pay a decent amount of money to close your street here. You just need to get a permit and we can help you with who to talk to for that. And they bring the road closure uh, things and and it can happen. And also, you know, just reminding people that like, it can be very small, you do not need live music, you do not need bounce houses, but you can. And so help giving guidance through that has been really impactful. And then also those welcome bags come under the umbrella of um, kind of a, the block captain idea of welcoming people to their newest neighborhood. Okay, so sort of like a, um, a program for someone who wants to sort of be like the community point person for their yes, for their eventually okay. that 
that might be what it really looks like is, you know, here are the contact numbers of the people on our street. So, but at the moment, it's more of like. It's sort of like a community anchor, like here's this person. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, It seemed, it also, I think what's standing out to me about that idea, I kind of like how you told us the backstory behind it, how like someone saw this, they want to try it here. We're not really sure. We're, we're, we're taking it little bit by little bit. It might change. And sort of thinking of Norbit together, sort of like an incubator, right? Rather Rather than having to have the solutions and the programs and then trying to implement them in this sort of top down fashion, you all are sort of facilitating brain this opportunity for for residents to brainstorm test ideas see what works you know in a very incremental and iterant fashion yes especially at the beginning it was really now you know we're refining what our skills are and what we can do um, but we still help with other residents even if it's not like directly in our mission we're able to be a guiding light of the of who to talk to the con- connect person the conduit we often call ourselves so um, you all have some other fo- programs, I think you mentioned some of them earlier, that focus on fostering interactions between residents and sort of building community pride. I think programs like the art tour and the historic home tour or the art show and the historic home tour. For those of us who might be more focused on like serious nitty gritty policy reforms. These might sound like more soft programs. Um, but why do you why would you say these types of um, activities matter? Why are they worth investing in? Largely, they're a gateway. You can start talking to people at these smaller, uh, more fun things. Uh, it's like, for instance, I think the community get togethers are very important. Sometimes it's a little bit harder to get somebody to come to a meeting like that versus an art show or um, a parade. And so working on those things that make you proud to be a Norwoodian, it helps to make you want to know more about what it means and how you can affect change and how you can volunteer. So being proud of where you live, we think is the basis for wanting to, it takes, while it is feasible to do these things and it's amazing how you can have an idea and run with it. It is not easy. It is labor intensive. It is sometimes discouraging. It's a lot of um, roadblocks that you have to figure out how to get around. So it is amazingly feasible. And I want to give everybody all the hope in the world of, uh, of pursuing these, but it definitely takes dedication. And so those fun things that um, those soft programming that keeps you going and it makes it easier to have the conversations with people who maybe aren't totally bought in to what the, you know, the, the policy changes might be. So does that, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. I th- and I think bouncing off of that, it's also, um, those are the spaces where you can really build social capital. Those are the spaces yes. where you can kind of build those loose ties with your neighbors so that when you do show up for the zoning reform meeting, that might get people's blood boiling. You're like, oh, hey, <laughs> that's the neighbor that I, you know, I don't know. Had a block party with. Yeah, had a block party with. Or I I met them at the art show or um, we jumped in the bounce house. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but, you know. No, that's the type of thing. Or maybe at least watched our children. I haven't jumped in a bounce house in a long time, but I have watched our children. And um, one of the things I think is cool, uh, a cool example of what's happened through, I think it's largely through those small interactions our uh, somebody just did a presentation on um, the demographics, all the statistics in Norwood at the council meeting. And one of the things that stuck out to me the most was uh, the enrollment for preschool and kindergarten in Norwood has like skyrocketed compared to the other grades. And to me, that says 
residents with young children are buying into the schools more than they at least have for um, a recent, a re- in the recent past. So, and a lot of that, I can't tell you how many conversations I have or I see other people having with their school board members um, about what Nord schools are and why it's why it's so amazing to send your kids to our local uh, public schools. And so, I think that's just a really good indicator of um, of what's happened through those conversations at those fun events. So, can you tell us about what other initiatives you all are working on right now? Yeah. So uh, another thing that's really cool about that soft stuff, it's very fun and you kind of can roll with it. These harder initiatives that take policy change and uh, or recruiting businesses and developers, that all gets a lot harder. So those are the things we're really trying to dig into. Some cool things that have happened. um, And a lot of this isn't necessarily just Nora together doing it. This is in collaboration with uh, city officials and some of this has been happening or in the works for a long time. So I don't want to like wrongly take credit, but we're working with the city and we're really excited about a couple of things that have already happened. Like we've passed our corner store ordinance and abolished our parking minimums. So that's allowing those corner stores to be reactivated and um, reminding us that we don't need to have parking for absolutely everything. So we're really excited about that. And that's fun because Cincinnati is a little jealous that we don't have parking minimums anymore. Um, we're working on housing, uh, as like all over the country, there's a housing shortage. We're experiencing that as well. And we are very sensitive to, um, residents who are being priced out, especially if they're rentals or maybe the taxes are going up too much on the home that they've owned for a really long time and maybe have paid off. Um, so that is something that is really, um, on our hearts to try to, do what we can. That's a really, there's no easy solution to the housing shortage, right? So a couple of things we're trying to um, inform the public on like what ADUs mean. Um, Those accessory dwelling units can sound really like a really bad idea. Um, You might think that like your street parking is going to be completely taken up or that you're going to get like rowdy tenants. Some of of that pushback that we're all familiar with is um, has happened as it's been brought to council. So I think we've kind of stepped back. Council's kind of stepped back on addressing that right now. But we're trying to spread the word about what ADUs could mean um, for that longtime resident who is now experiencing the bigger tax. So. And also right now you cannot, you can make a multifamily, a single family, but you cannot make a single family, a multifamily, even if you're restoring it to the multifamily that it used to be. And that's something that we'd like to give people the option to do. And that's part of our history. So a lot of the things that we're doing is getting back to our roots, which is something we like to remind people of. They think Sometimes you can get pushback that new people are coming in wanting to change anything. And I'm sure Strong Towns gets that a lot. But really, the Strong Towns approach is getting back to something oftentimes. And in the fabric of Norwood, this is getting back to um, wealthy people with uh, little, you know, more blue collar people working next to each other. It's a dynamic fabric of society that we want to keep up and get back to. And lastly, uh, pedestrian infrastructure is a constant effort that we're working on improving. One of the things Nora Together was able to do was get grant money for a uh, street revitalization plan for our main thoroughfare, Montgomery Road. Right now, it kind of it's very car centric, very wide, um, and so this plan made 
made way for a lot of traffic calming measures, um, some more distinct parking, and just prettier sidewalks, and also ways to cross it more safely so that it doesn't divide our city quite so much. We have a bike trail along the south side of our city, and we want to bring that bike infrastructure into our city a little bit more. So there's a great Tri-State Trails, Crown the Queen. These things are happening throughout the, the area, and we want to tap into that to have like a safe infrastructure. One of the things, one of the things about this, I think it's really neat, the... Um, the equalizing that pedestrian infrastructure can do. If we could have students, friends riding their bikes through all of the city, seeing all these homes, it, I think it's just very um, equalizing and and also inspiring and just normalizing to have that accessibility to all these different ways of life and giving empathy and inspiration. And I, I just, that's something I really want to continue to work on. And that's a, that's a thing Norwood together is working on in general. So you've, you've hinted at this a little bit, but can you tell, can you tell me a little bit about how you found out about Strong Towns and what resonates with you about the Strong Towns approach? So I had been familiar with Strong Towns, read some articles, um, knew the knew about it but the the biggest connection point when i became a member and when i really started digging into it was um in 2022 when we entered into the strongest town contest so the president the board president of norwood together um asked me if i wanted to submit and I did like strong towns enough to be like, yes, I want to do this. This sounds very cool. And so I did it. And um, it was just such a fun experience. It did exactly what strong towns wants to do with that contest of um, just bringing the people together and talking about our successes and talking about what we can be and spreading the word about what strong towns is. It was really an incredible time and a great way to, uh, now I am very bonded to Strong Towns and what you guys all are. So a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it resonates with me. I Again, I already wanted what Strong Town says makes a strong town. So that's really cool. That walkability, um, the recovering the historical identities, building community again, getting offline um, in like Norwood is a city of front porches and parks and this is not a time that a lot of people are focusing on those. And so, you know, Strong Towns wants to get back to that approach of seeing neighbors as they walk by and that, that consequential stranger interactions. We want to get back to that. And uh, so that resonates with me a lot with the Strong Towns approach. And then also, of course, that bottom up um, incremental that's so feasible and so encouraging. Um, you know, I just really appreciate that. And I love this podcast and everything that you guys are putting into the world. It's very cool. Thank you. Yeah, you all are really embodying um, everything that we are trying to talk about on this show, just taking that bottom up approach, finding one small thing you can do doing that, being willing to learn and not putting pressure on yourself to have the perfect solution or the perfect answer before you try something. My favorite question to ask in the podcast um, is the last one. If someone only had a couple hours or maybe like a half a day to stop in your city during a road trip, where should they go for a good cup of coffee or to really get a feel for local life and local culture? I have to say this is the hardest question because I could keep going on and on and on and on and on, but I'm not going to. We are very excited about a new coffee shop that just opened up called Birdies. Um, this building we call the Painter's Tape Building because uh, it was this 
tan with bright blue trim all over. It looked like they were going to be painting it and that it was paint, that it had painter's tape on it. Um, it used to be a beloved pawn shop. Uh, and before that, it was a Kroger grocery way back in the day when Kroger was just uh, corner stores. And so that's been really exciting to see be this uh, vibrant coffee shop. So I would recommend stopping by Birdie's. We have great burger joints, of course. Um, I'm not going to list all those and I'm not going to choose favorites. So the other place I'm going to say that you have to see is our new Factory 52. Um, it's newly renovated. It was originally the U.S. Playing Card Factory and uh, it has been restored well parts of it have been taken down but it is now a um a destination where you can eat shop play grab a drink there's breweries there it's and it's in this like beautiful historic artsy um location with a a playing card theme all around and great food a great lawn where the kids can play um yeah definitely would recommend checking out factory 52 so it's also super cool because you can check out Norwood next year. The strong towns event is happening in Cincinnati, not far from us. And, uh, that's the, the strong towns gathering, um, May 14th and 15th. So I've got to put a plug in for that. There you go. <laughs> I'm personally very excited to see Norwood and, um, see, um, yeah, just what you all are doing there to, to make your, make your city a strong town. Alicia, thanks so much for sharing your story and sharing with us about Norwood together. Um, you all are truly embodying what it means to be, um, to, to be advocating for change in a bottom-up fashion. Um, and yeah, I just really appreciate your time. Thank you. We appreciate everything you're doing. Can't wait to see you next year. <laughs> it's going to be a great time. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution. I'll put links to the businesses that Alicia recommended in the show notes. I will also put a link to a form where you can nominate someone in your town who you think would make a good fit for the show. Uh, so if you know someone who you believe is advocating in a bottom up fashion to improve their city, please let us know. We'd love a chance to learn about them and possibly uh, feature them right here on this podcast. Um, until then, take care. And I don't have a clever sign off. So <laughs> I'll keep working on that. But I will be back in two weeks. Mm-hmm.